Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. Thankful that today we have one of our church family who has headed over to do ministry in her homeland of Poland. Dorota is back with us today, and she's going to share a little bit about what's been going on in her ministry with ProEd. We call them refugees, right? But they're not. Just displaced people because they don't have refugee status, and, and they ended up, they, they had to leave their homes. They have to leave their uh, families, what was uh, their lives, uh, and and come uh, abroad and, and uh, find some refuge. And um, a lot of them, uh, we help them to find places in uh, Poland. A lot of them with the partners from European Union, from churches and communities there, like churches in Finland, in Holland, in uh, England, um, in Switzerland, they were able to host uh, f- people who had specific needs, especially people who were going through oncological treatments. So those who had cancer uh, or had specific uh, um, needs, physical and, and medical needs, um, and we were not able to do that in the center or in the hospitals in Tomaszów, so 20 minutes from the center, which is located in this village I was telling you about, is a, a city uh, that also, uh, we have a school there, um, Christian school, and a church as well, um, and a counseling center uh, that's uh, attached to a church. And we were able to meet some uh, medical needs of people uh, who arrived at our center through the help of community there and medical professionals in uh, Tomaszów. But uh, some uh, of the cases were just... Uh, too much and too severe, and uh, we needed to look outside. So throughout this time uh, of all those people being there, I felt like um, God performed this, um, uh, what, what he does best, and um, he was was performing healing and restoring the lives. Um, mine too. Um, and um, uh, sometimes, uh, when I think about it right now, I feel like, you know, we are often called to go somewhere with... Um, and we think that we don't have strength or, or we are weak. And I felt that way when I was living uh, here. And uh, however, now or looking back, I see that, um, that God was saying, you know, go with the strength you have. 
and I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and I've seen uh, being there, not on the um, emotional healing that you know, it, it's still, for many of, of those people, it takes time, and it's still going on. So those are phases. It's not, it doesn't happen um, right away. But um, we are the ministry. We are privileged, and, and uh, we find our calling in um, accompanying these people in this process. And we look at that in like this holistic way because uh, in, for many of them, their bodies were healed too. Uh, some of them coming out or escaping Ukraine, they got hurt. We had um, twins, uh, young men, uh, like in their 20s, that as were they as they escape, were escaping, their car was shot at, and uh, their mother was killed. Um, one of them was saved because he was holding his dog, and uh, the bullet pierced and, and went through the dog and his body too. And just you know, they they pretend that they were not. Uh, they were uh, not alive. It happened around Kiev area at that time. And as the uh, Russian soldiers went away, um, they buried their mom. Um, and they came and um, they just, uh, they just, you know, a month ago, after being with us for so long, um, they went to one of the cities in Poland, Poznań. Uh, they started their university uh, back, you know, their schooling. Um, they were thinking about coming to Canada and they had all the documentation ready. We helped them with all the uh, paperwork and, and, and all this process. But... Uh, they changed their mind. They said that uh, Poland became their home and we became their home. Too. Like We became their family. They're no longer with us physically, but we have uh, hundreds of people like that who still connect, who still um, um, email us or, or uh, call us uh, at the center and tell us uh, what they're doing and where they are at this time. Um, I, uh, I also, as I was there, I didn't realize that uh, Proem uh, started a, a fundraising campaign uh, to purchase an uh, old, hot, old hotel in Tomaszów uh, Mazowiecki in the city I was telling about you about. Uh, that just came for sale in February, just as war in um, Ukraine started. And um, that hotel uh, cost, like, the, the price was set for 
two million American dollars, right? I mean, uh, in Polish it was different, right? Polish water, but it basically how that how much it cost. We of course didn't have that too, but uh, as we as the leadership of organization uh, of prime ministries talked about it, in a couple months they received funding for that from people from churches here in U.S., partners, uh, long-term partners here in U.S. and other places, and we were able to purchase this hotel. Uh, at the end of May, we had this all uh, set up, and all the rooms, everything inside was basically move-in ready, and uh, our summer approached, and we have already started as an organization um, in, also in February before the war. Uh, we opened registration for our summer camps for kids from Poland. And usually every summer there are like 2,000 or more kids from around Poland who come to the campsite. And they have... Uh, Every week they have different camps and they have uh, just time of vacation and time of education, time of getting to know like each other, uh, summer activities like horseback riding, like sports, like uh, painting, like uh, singing. And in all of that, they also have the chance to hear and uh, the gospel. They have a chance to learn about uh, God and uh, how he uh, sees them and loves them and uh, um, is active in their lives. And so that was God's timing, perfect timing, where the end of May, uh, 200 people who we still had probably the most vulnerable from all this whole group of 900 that came from uh, Ukraine, were able to be moved to, to the hotel where uh, 20 minutes from the center, still their kids could come to the camp site. We still were uh, using our means and, and our resources to give them ride back and forth if, if they needed to come and just spend time at uh, at more picturesque, you know, and restful place like, like the center and uh, in Zakoštěle, uh, if they wanted to walk by the river, if they wanted to come and just uh, um, spend some time with kids on the weekend. Um, but they started their new life and, and being in... Uh, Tomashov that also opened uh, for us opportunity to have them more involved in um, counseling program to address their complex traumas, you know, not only war because the war unmasked a lot of things for them, you know in their lives um, uh, emotionally physically and spiritually and uh, we were privileged to guide some of them in that uh, spiritual way for them to get to know um, 
Jesus as their Savior, as their Lord, to, for them to acknowledge God and make an, uh, the step uh, of journey with him. Um, this is probably the picture behind me is one of the uh, family that came. It has been mom with a daughter and son, and the daughter had also a young boy, uh, and all of them stayed with us from, and this woman, that's an example of uh, changed life. Um, she came to us um, and uh, was, uh, from the beginning, she's, she didn't understand which, you know, when, when you're traumatized by war, where you had to flee, uh, things just don't make sense. And you you struggle as an adult even to, to name things for, for yourself. And um, she did. And um, during the conversation with uh, just many conversations and many walks with her, um, many of us had a chance to, to, to just to get to know her and her family. And um, as she came, she started to feel... Um, you know, she, she was thinking that it was emotionally, that she's just not feeling well. But we took her to the hospital, and uh, during the um, examination, uh, the doctor find out, found out that uh, she has a cancer in her stomach. And they said that it's such an early stage that they have to operate right away. And they did. Um, they took all of those cancer cells away and out. And uh, she came back. She recovered. Um, she uh, found this new life for her. Uh, you know, still not understanding why the war was happening, we were able to guide her and, and talk to her about the, perhaps uh, for her, that was cert some, some new beginning, like in all the ways possible. And she was one of many who, was, uh, she, who, who accepted... Um, who acknowledged Christ, who accepted him as Savior, and, and, and was eventually baptized uh, along with her whole family, uh, except this little boy, uh, at, at the camp before they um, left Poland uh, because they, their um, documentation and everything uh, was ready for them to go to England and uh, start their lives uh, there. Um. Um, I wanted you to make sure that you close with what is next in this mm -hmm. season for you when yeah. you go back how yeah. can we what's something specific we yeah. can pray for you mm -hmm. about and then we'll have a time of prayer together yeah. so uh, I'm here till 19th of uh, November uh, on 19th I'm, I'm flying back um, we have uh hotel. At this point, we have uh, 70 uh, residents, Ukrainian residents, some Polish residents, 
it's, uh, I, I said hotel because it was old function, but now we call it crisis center for the nations, um, Proem crisis center for, for the nations. Um, so uh, there is a counseling center that uh, now is being moved there with the space that that uh, place uh, offers for us. Um, school, uh, Proem school uh, has uh, 40 Ukrainian kids this semester. Um, at camp where I work, we have uh, uh, weekly uh, activities for schools from around uh, Poland. They're called green schools. Um, uh, just couple days of kids coming and, and uh, being able to learn in different environment than in their school uh, setting. Um, we have uh, Zakorancho, where I work with animals and do uh, therapy uh, for uh, kids and adults uh, using animals too as well. Um, and uh, after I come back, we have uh, another event for the community there. It's called, uh, and, and not only there, because thousands of people from Poland and also from surrounded countries like Germany, it used to be Ukraine also and, and Belarus and, and uh, uh, that people were coming in. We have this uh, event called Journey to Bethlehem that uh, our center, part of it, is transformed. We already built the sets, and I pulled out all the costumes that were going to be used. So all of that is ready back in Poland. So the people uh, walk or yes, drive through yes, the camp? Yes, they're not driving, it. they're walking. They're, they're walking, walking through, okay. through the stages of, and the story of the uh, birth uh, of Christ mm -hmm. is... Retail, retail uh, as they the from all experience. These come yes, to see yes, this yes, to yes. The uh, the uh, site of the uh, ran rancho, <laughs> Zaco Rancho, uh, is transformed into the Bethlehem, <laughs> so a little village of Bethlehem, uh, and others, uh, other places are. Uh, all over. Uh, so this is, this is the future for us. Uh, we have um, a lot of, you know, not only Ukrainian uh, people who are now big part of our community, of our society, as Polish society, uh, but also uh, our neighbors and, and kids in, in that community that I live right now, or we live right now, that um, were affected, uh, first of all, like all of us, by years of pandemic, mm -hmm. and then right away by the war that happened, you know, just across the border, and things became so... Uh, um, close, I guess, and, and, and mm -hmm. affected all of us like that. So um, God gives us opportunity to um, transform each other, mm -hmm. to uh, walk along each other, 
and build each other up. And that doesn't happen, you know, that um, doesn't happen kind of in a vacuum. So all of you here, as you helped me and prayed for me, and I know you've prayed and, and stayed connected through all this time because uh, I've received your messages and I do have still U US number, so like messaging is very easy and convenient. Um, you've been uh, partners and just uh, supporters and, uh, and, and people who've, you know, even from afar, you've been involved and those prayers and this support, you know, financial and, and, and emotional and, and encouragement, those are so important and I thank you. Let me close in prayer for you. Lord, we thank you so much for the ways that you're moving in places we've never been through hearts and lives and in the midst of darkness you bring light and we thank you for Dorota and the ministry of Pro-Am and all of the people involved there. Give them their strength. Give them your encouragement. Give them your love. Fill them up with your spirit that they may pour out to others. We thank you for this glimpse into the ways that you are moving in lives that are broken and lives that are going through crisis. And we just ask that you would make paths forward, that you would give people hope, that you give them warmth this winter and strength in times of weakness. Remind them that they are loved by you and by so many people. And we thank you for this opportunity to lift up Dorota now. Give her your strength and guidance day by day as she heads back into ministry. We thank you for making us family around the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, as always, it's a great introduction <laughs> to piece together today's scripture, which was already chosen, but uh, felt very connected with the things that's going on that Dorota shared, because when you hear things happening and you see the way that strangers become connected and that people who don't even know, people in Poland who'd never met the Ukrainian displaced families suddenly became family, just as she was saying that those young men found Poland a new home. And so seeing every good work like that, just glimpses of hope, it's encouraging. It's always amazing to just look around and to realize God is moving and that people are doing good. And sometimes we hear all the bad headlines or we get weighed down by the burdens that are very real in this world. And so it's nice to hear the good stories, the pieces of humanity reaching to other humanity. Now I'd have to say that when Dorota describes her ministry, you think, wow, she's, she's a pretty amazing person. I mean, she's, probably, she's pretty holy. She probably, maybe, she wouldn't say she's holier than me, but she probably is. But she's just choosing. She, she would tell you. She just chose to step in where she saw a need. And we think of this, and we would call that righteousness. 
which sounds like a really fancy term. And maybe it's even a negative term, because sometimes we can hear the word righteous and maybe our minds go to self-righteous. You know, when people are, are burdened to be right and they put everyone else down as wrong. There's a, there's a kind of self-entitlement self-righteousness. We can use the word that way. You might think of righteous as being labeled for like the elite, those missionaries and and people in ministry. But being righteous is very accessible. And it's going to be in our scripture today. So I want us to grasp the fact that every time someone reaches out to another in the way Dorota described today, but in the way that you do on your daily basis, when you greet a neighbor, when you see a need, when you step in, you're doing an act of righteousness. So it is an accessible thing. When you connect with someone, if you give them advice, wisdom, care, someone wants you to pray with them, someone needs company, you buy someone a cup of coffee, you offer to babysit, these are all acts of righteousness. And it sounds fancy, but that's what we're doing. And when we read in scripture today, John is the author of the letter that we're going to look at. And he's simply going to the people in this church and saying, remember what you believe and act on it. Very simple, right? We would think if we believe in something, we should live it out. That seems a very logical scenario. So here in our Hope and Light series today, we are looking in First John, and we are going to see this theme of righteousness. But what he is simply doing is telling people that if you believe that God is righteous, then go do the same. Live like Jesus and live righteously. We said that there was a fancy word for this, that orthodoxy is what you believe, orthopraxy is living out your beliefs. And this entire letter of 1 John is John going to a church and saying, you are in a crisis right now. They were in a crisis of belief. They were trying to figure out what they believed about who Jesus was. And so John is like, here, I've got some reminders for you. And then when you are reminded of what you already believe, then you just take that next step and live it out. So last week, our topic was light. John reminded the people that God is light. Jesus is God, therefore Jesus is also light. And just live in the light. And these sound like very simple things, but obviously they're big and they're challenging at times. But John's just taking them the next step further. So today, he's going to say, all right, what, are we, what do we believe about God? He's light. God is also righteous. God does good things in this world. And therefore, we, if we say we believe in God, then we'll take that next step and act on it. So let's read a few sections of scripture this morning, and we'll look at what that living righteously is all about. 1 John 1, 8 through 10. He says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So John looks at this church and says, here are two parts to living righteously. Number one, have an honest self-assessment. If you have gone to any counseling at all, and I encourage us all to do so, whether family counseling, marriage counseling, 
if you get help for anxiety or addiction or grief, you will know that a therapist will say, you start inside, right? Whatever the scenario is that you're dealing with, you look within and say, where am I now? What is my role I've played in this thus far? And the best step toward healing is to be honest about that point. It's not a new concept. An ancient wisdom here. John is advocating for the church to do this on a spiritual level. Before you can figure out and before you can go into your context, into your community, into your world and live righteously, start within. Have an honest look and just say, as humans, we sin. It's reality. We've sinned before. We'll sin again. But if we don't openly admit that we've been in the wrong, it makes us that self-righteous person, as we talked about before. And, you know, self-righteous people are not always fun to be around. So this self-assessment of saying, where am I? I'm sinful. Then we can move forward. We can move and be able to grow once we admit our sin. The church word for this honesty is confession. And if any of you have grown up Catholic, you might have some some flashbacks when you hear confession. There's Booth, there's a priest, but we're we're not informed that there has to be any sort of formal way. But John says, confess. Confess to God. Confess to trusted friends. That when something's going on, the more we harbor it inside, it has power over us. It gives us It adds to our guilt, makes us feel shame. But speaking it aloud, we can let it go. We can give it over to Jesus. And we're told that by doing so, we can be forgiven. Let's look at this beautiful picture. 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2 says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. John is communicating here, and he witnessed his friend and rabbi die on a cross. He witnessed this horrible, traumatic, painful death, and he discovered that that death had a purpose. And John says, it was for all of us. He said, Jesus' death meant something, and he was righteous, and he gives us that gift of righteousness. So while John's telling us to live righteously and take action, it's not to earn something. It's a response to something. It's a response to the gift that Jesus has given us, that Jesus has already said, I've, I've atoned for your sins. And so there, therefore our response to such a gracious gift is to respond and reflect God back to him, to live in righteousness. John moves on. It says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys God's word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So now we have part two. John says, okay, we're reminded that Jesus is our righteousness, so how do we respond righteously? One, we self-assess 
we admit where we stand in the scenario. Two, we imitate Jesus. John tells people that there's no other way to live out, to you know, believe something than to live it out. And I would say we would all agree. If we look around and we meet people who say they believe something but don't act on it, it's frustrating, isn't it? We might use the word hypocrite, which is not here in this text, but that's what might we call someone that, right? Because we expect, we expect that your action follows your belief. And actually, your action speaks to your beliefs. If I want to know what you really believe, I look at the way you live, and that communicates louder than words. So John here is saying, he's going back to this church, and he's like, I know you're struggling. You're struggling in what you believe, but we're going back to the basics, that God is good and that Jesus atones. And if we believe in this amazing trinity, the Spirit gives us strength, then we will go act like it, act like Jesus. We said John circles back around to different themes. And so even into 1 John chapter 3, we look and we see these different chapter headings in this letter. But John keeps reminding people, because we need to hear it again and again, is that he has another piece where he says in chapter 3, everyone who sins breaks the law, but you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in Jesus is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. And no one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. So how this is tricky because he just said we're going to sin and Jesus is going to atone for us. But he's like, if you live in Jesus, you don't continue to sin. Well, the verbs here, looking at the way it's like a continual nature, right? So that's active. So basically, John is saying, if you have chosen to follow Jesus, then the trajectory of your life should change. That you don't come to believe something unless you're willing to be changed by it. It's easy to say, I believe in this, and then continue living your own life, and that's when people see us as hypocrites. But John says, believing something should change who you are. So therefore, while you might still sin, and we all will, if the goal of your life is now headed toward Jesus, then that's the trajectory you're on. And he's like, you don't continue to head down this path, but your aim, your goal, is righteousness. And finally, I'm going to move us down to 1 John 3. And I just want us to read, focus in on verse 7, where it says, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as Jesus is righteous. So here we have Jesus is our role model for righteousness. So if we say that we want to follow after God, and that seems like a big challenge. God is perfect. God is unseen. And yet John was saying, I'm telling you about this man I knew. He was in my life. He was my mentor. And when we read about the things that Jesus said and did, John says he lived it out for us. He was our model. When we have questions and concerns and want to know how do we live in the right way, it's hard because 2022 looks a lot different than when Jesus lived. But we as a church spent a year in the book of Luke striving to dig in and learn and relearn what Jesus did with his life 
and by looking at the way he reacted in his culture, we take that and we try to imitate it here in our lives. We're not always going to get it right, but we have each other to lean on too. Dorota doesn't go and minister in Poland on her own. She's part of a team that cares. We as a church are a team together. And when we struggle to know how to live righteously, we have each other to lean on, to guide, to give us wisdom. So Jesus, as our role model for righteousness, you know what he did? Jesus experienced heartbreak. He experienced pain and trauma, and it may not have been exactly like ours. Probably not. But he understands. He understands the emotional He understands physical pain, and he can relate when we are in pain. And yet, what did he do? He did two things. He asked God for internal strength to keep going. Jesus spent a lot of time on his own in prayer before he would do something. He knew, even as God on earth, that it was hard. So he prayed for internal strength, and and then he went out and did external action. And so if Jesus is our role model for righteousness— if we're trying to live like him, then I say we pray for that internal strength to say, Lord, how can you move through even the pain in my life and bring me out on the other side toward healing? Spirit, please guide me. And then if Jesus is our model, then we'll go externally. And, and that is when we just look about for awareness because things are coming at us daily. If you look around, you see opportunities. You'll run into people. You'll get random texts and phone calls, and you'll think, God is showing up here. He's putting someone on your mind and on your heart to connect for a reason. So being aware internally and externally is an act of righteousness because God is always on the move. It's not easy. It's not complex. But we don't even have to leave our own homes, our own communities, to find ways to live out our faith. We're blessed to support and encourage Dorota. But right here, right here in Cincinnati, right here in your community, we can live righteously for Jesus. We can imitate him and love him. If you would like to talk more about what that means, please know I'm always available talk about what it means to follow Jesus, to live after him. Or if you'd like times of prayer, when you feel like you can't figure out what next step to take, just know that we are here as a body of believers, as a community. That's why we do life together. Let's pray. God, we thank you that we can see you on the move. We can look around and see your light in your goodness here in our community and around the world. Thank you for entrusting us with the task to live out your righteousness here in our space. We take on that task with humility and we ask you for strength. Lord, help us to live like you this week. In Jesus' name we lift you up. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, 
We meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.